Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. All right, what's up? And we are back with MBS Fitness Radio. I'm here with Noah Glenn. Noah is a, uh, how long have you been at MBS? I've been training here for just over three years. Okay, very cool. And then uh, I think, uh, how long have you been uh, training people here as well? Because we brought uh, you on staff last year. Or? Yeah, just under a year, I think. Okay, right under a year. Very cool. And uh, what kind of clients do you typically work with to focus on? For the most part, people that are, either directly interested in strongman or brand new to the becoming into the strength sports, just want a uh, basic introduction to the main lifts, overhead press, bench press, deadlift, squat, that kind of thing. Very cool. Talk to me about kind of like your own training background. Like, like how were you when you got started? Okay. So I guess probably like a lot of people, I started with sports when I was younger, played tons of sports, lots yeah. of basketball. Uh, one year of baseball, even though I was terrible at it, I was forced to be the catcher because I was a fat kid. So <laughs> <laughs> I hated it, never played another year of baseball again. Um, really, really found my love for, like, strength training, I guess, in uh, eighth grade transitioning into high school football. Okay. So like, who, who introduced you to it, or how did you get introduced to it? The team, the team itself. So we had an actual strength training facility on there. By basketball team or? Football team. Football team, football okay. Yeah. Where would you go to high school? I went to FACS. Okay, very cool. So y'all started working with eighth graders. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so it was like the uh, transitional period right after eighth grade football. If you think you're going to play freshman year, all right, we need to get you in the weight room. Got to catch up like the, the gap in between yeah, the levels. Awesome. <clears throat> I love that. Okay. Um, so play football. Did you play anything else in high school? No. Just I shot trap, but. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I wish we had a, a trap team. Uh, Arlington has a pistol team. Like really? A, like a um, like steel challenge, a steel challenge yeah. team. Which I'm like, right oh on. man, if I could shot guns in high school, like instead <laughs> of <laughs> sweating my ass yeah. off in baseball, that'd be awesome. Uh, all right, so um, got into an eighth grade, like a lot of guys do for football. Uh, kind of fell in love with it. What what would you do after uh, high school? So, well, really, while I was in high school, I think my love for like specifically training on my own kind of came along yeah. during that time period um, because I actually lost 100 pounds in between my junior year and uh, maybe sophomore to junior year. About there was like an eight-month time span where I dropped from like 350-something all the way down to about 250 Dang. or 245. Mm -hmm. uh, probably didn't do it the, in retrospect, healthiest way. Essentially gave myself an eating disorder for eight months, but yeah. I was in and out of the gym every single day, two a days. Get off football, go to the YMCA, in and out, just like that. Lots of uh, Rich Piana YouTube videos. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like, what, what kind of triggered you to to go like I want to lose weight? Because I mean, imagine like um, being being that that heavy, like you're probably one of the stronger dudes right. on the team, right? Um, yeah, some of my, most of my football coaches uh, didn't really like that I was losing that much weight, especially in like. You're that young. You haven't even really seen any kind of potential that you could be at whatever weight. But like I said, my whole life I was kind of like the fat kid or kind of, you know, overweight. Um, most of the men in my family always were. Yeah. So that kind of played like a, I guess kind of gave me a negative connotation of being that size, especially yeah. that young. I mean, I mean, I remember seventh grade football weigh-ins. I was 317. Under six foot, 317. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my knees were always wrecked. Yeah. My ankles were always wrecked. Uh constantly in and out of like different doctor's offices for different conditions and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so that, that really gave me a lot of initiative to like, once I was able to make the decisions on my own of what I was eating, how long I could stay in the gym, you know, finally got my driver's license to drive myself to the gym and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It, I kind of, to the strongest end of it, got addicted probably yeah, a little yeah. too much yeah. and uh, dropped the weight a little, probably a little too quickly. I remember there was one time span. I had 14 days off of school. So I was like, I can dedicate 14 days to lose a pound every single day. I lost 14 pounds in 14 days. almost died doing it. Just, I mean, you're doing tons of cardio, just not eating. Like, what were you doing to, to lose the weight? I think my diet at that time was one packet of oatmeal in the morning with water and coffee. Uh, lunch was one chicken breast, half cup of rice with vegetables. Uh, dinner was a shake. 
That was it. Man, okay. And, <laughs> and then training you were doing? Like football. Either I was either going to the gym in the morning before school, then football, or football, then the gym after the school. Wow, okay, yeah. And if football, if we had like a break time in football, I was there for four hours. You know, I thought I had to run five miles a day. I was sitting, you know, constantly on the ellipticals and bikes yeah. and stuff like that. Just like really, I thought the only way to achieve it, or at least to get that endorphin rush of seeing that scale go down a pound, yeah. was do that and... I guess in retrospect, it did work technically, but all that weight came back really, really fast when I went into college and stopped training. Okay, so yeah, tell me about that. What kind of happened? And real quick, uh, just be careful hitting the table. Right, sorry, I'm animated. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's totally cool, but I don't, you know, it'll bounce to the cameras. But okay, so talk to me about, um, talk to me about like going into college. Right. So I think uh, probably the biggest fatal mistake I, did in between transitioning from high school to college was I convinced myself that I was going to use the rec room at college yeah. instead of having a regular gym membership. Okay. That was for sure the worst. Decision now, were you going to a regular gym in high school? Yeah, I was going to the YMCA. Okay. And okay. So th- uh, you went to football and then go into the YMCA. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So kind of went back and forth. Um, our football training facility was only open during school times. Yeah. So like once the coaches were gone, it was locked up. So. Yeah. Okay. All right, so you, you like, did you stay on campus? Uh, I did right off campus. So okay. Essentially so. walking distance to all my classes. But. Okay. But you didn't use the rec, rec no, center? Not, Why? Not a chance. What happened? You, like, just Half of just being kind of either too focused, at least in my first semester, on school to yeah. not really care because I yeah. was working and going to school and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. Or just not caring at all about health or getting stronger, gotcha. looking better, blah, blah, blah. Also, it's it's a pretty strange environment at most, or at least in my experience with college, like rec rooms and stuff like that. Uh, it's either super, super intimidating or not encouraging at all. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get there, okay. especially when you, you know, you get your first taste of freedom. You don't want to go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. go out and party and yeah. drink and I, chase tail. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when did you get back into it? I would say probably... Like three weeks before I joined MBS, I was going to an ATC fitness, like oh, wow, okay. run of the mill, you know, not really doing anything. That's what I was out of college, though. Right. Okay. So you went yeah. through all the college. It was like two and a half, three years, probably. Okay. Yeah. Of not, not training. Right. How, did you, how much weight did you put back on? So I think I graduated right at 220, 230-ish kind of area. I was like, Oh, high school. High school. Okay. Graduated okay. high school, yeah. I was like, shit, uh, you lost weight. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was 6'3-ish, 6'2". Yeah. Um, so I was pretty lean looking, not too, you know, nothing yeah. crazy. I didn't look obese anymore like I used to. Yeah. Uh, when I went to college and completely converted back to all of my bad habits and not even having football as a basis to, like, focus yeah. myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably ballooned up to about 265. Okay. So not not. So you never went crazy. back to the 350. Well, well uh, I did strength training. Right, I mean, but, not, not, like, right. not during uh, college. Right. Okay. But yeah, but it was it was two sixty, not an ounce of muscle on my body, just skinny fat, couldn't do a pull up. What um did you what I mean, what positions did you did you play going from three fifty down to two twenty? <laughs> so um with my school being kind of on the smaller end, yeah. It's not like I got bumped from like first team to second team or whatever. I just went from tackle to center. Okay. Well yeah, I mean figured like I mean it probably didn't put you at safety, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's that's funny because like that's semi. It's it's a lot similar, but but opposite to like what kind of happened to me it was like I grew up my whole life just like being a bean pole, really, and told I was too skinny to play football, uh, and then in seventh grade like kind of like became addicted, was doing the same thing, going to, going to football, weight training after football, closing the weight room go into a, a commercial gym, train right. some more. And like, I put on a hundred pounds <laughs> through between cool. sophomore, uh, sophomore year of high school and like sophomore year of college, right on. <laughs> I put on a hundred <laughs> pounds. Uh, but, but at least you gave yourself a couple of years there. I, I, literally, I didn't do uh, it in a, a year. No. Yeah. That's, that would have been very difficult. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, when, okay. When, whenever you were doing that, sorry. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. Um, what did you, what were your coaches telling you? Were they encouraging you to do it? I think I think I had a lot of kind of the same uh, experiences that most high school kids have is that um, my coaches appreciated like my work ethic, but they didn't. They were just, you know they're they're 
they coach science and they or they teach science and they coach football. Like right. weight training, nutrition, health was not like what they studied or you know knew about. So <clears throat> I was getting most of my information from Flex Magazine, right. uh, Ronnie Coleman videos, and um, so they were encouraging me in the sense that. They liked the fact that I was, like, working out so much. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, and then they moved me from safety. I played safety and um, wide receiver. Then they were like, okay, well, you put on, like, whatever it was, 25 pounds, 30 pounds this year. We're going to move move you now to, like, uh, defensive uh, – outside linebacker and tight end, and they're like, okay, you put on another 30 pounds, now you can play tackle and defensive <laughs> end. So it just kept moving me closer to the ball. Yeah. Um, so they encouraged me, but they didn't like – I didn't have guidance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it's like, in my mind, I was like, well, I was into we're bodybuilding at the time, and I didn't really appreciate the idea of like training for sports. So, like, I kind of was like, I'm not going to do this weight training. I need to be going to do a body part training. Well, now I'm like, right. oh, son of a bitch. Like, if I could go back and actually make myself squat bench and deadlift in high school, I probably would have been a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of. That's kinda, That was kind of my experience, too. Uh, <laughs> half of the coaches either were mad at me that I was losing weight or the other half of the coaches were asking me for diet advice because they were also <laughs> all overweight. Yeah, you which is even crazier to think is I had adults that were put in charge of me knowing how little I was eating and right. how hard I was working out and did nothing to stop it. Right, right, right. <laughs> not, uh, not going, hey, but, like, like no one was there to go. Well, and I think that's just a reflection on, like, the state of, one, the state of the nation, and then, but, like, the, the, the probably um, imbalance that exists in, like, high school. And that's not yeah. shitting on high school coaches. It's just saying that that's the reality. Yeah. It's like no one took you sideline and said, like, Noah, man, you're, you're a workaholic. I love it. But what you're doing is not healthy, bud. Right. Let me help you. Let's do this the right way. You know, no one sat you down and like was able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we sat down and I wrote them meal plans. <laughs> right, right, right. Which also gave them negative effects. <laughs> right. They're like, yeah. They're like, hey, I didn't lose like 25 pounds. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, all right. So, what triggered you to kind of like get back into the gym? So, like I was saying, in college, completely lost all want to to be in the gym yeah. I had you know zero motivation to get in there um, no self-accountability none of that um, and one day I was just kind of like I looked myself in the mirror and I was like this isn't the person you've been your entire life yeah like, what's going on what let, let's let's examine these habits to see which ones we need to kick out which were a majority of them at that time yeah you know not to go too deep into it but you could probably imagine in college life kind of yeah. style just eat bad um, food eat Drink too much alcohol. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, so I actually met the person I still train with today, Ben. Um, we worked at the range together. Uh, okay. Range USA before yeah, yeah, we yeah. shut down. And we became good friends just through that. Yeah. And he started training here probably a year before I did. Okay. And he would always tell me, like, hey, man, you would really like this. Like, come on, let's go. And one day I texted him. I think I can almost remember the exact text. It was, hey, on Monday I'm joining this gym. I can't even do five pull-ups. I need you to change me. And That's then, awesome kind of snowballed from there. I think I went from like 260-ish to about 220 in yeah. like the first probably six months. I mean, it shut off super fast because it yeah. was just, you know, beer weight and pizza weight just yeah. kind of uh, fell off. Yeah. And then that's when I kind of started like specifically strength training, just being in this kind of environment right. and having the encouragement to do that. So you got back in and then you're like, okay, now I'm in an environment where like there's knowledge, there's encouragement, there's like atmosphere for like being strong. Right. Um, how did you get into strongman from there? So um, kind of just being in this environment and seeing things that I didn't actually think were like possible for humans to actually accomplish. You go to YouTube channels, to different forums, to seeing, you know, Brian Shaw's YouTube channel, that kind of stuff. And yeah. it really started piquing my interest because I had always watched The World's Strongest Man. Like yeah. when I was a little kid growing up, like whenever CBS or whatever would play – yeah. Sports Center, Channel 9, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, at 3 in the morning. So I always kind of, like, knew it, like, in the back of my head what it was, but I never thought it was something that normal people would be able to do. Coming here, seeing some of the implements that were available, like, man, I can try this out. Kind of just uh, went from there, started to enjoy it more, started seeing other people uh, kind of invite me to come do what they were doing, which uh, was a big encouragement on my part. So Very cool. 
Okay. Um, when was your first strongman competition? So my first strongman competition was probably like a year and two months after I joined here. Okay. Yeah. Which one was it? It was a Bill Street. It was a strongman on Bill two, three years ago. Is our second one or first one? We're on six now. Are we? Holy yeah. shit. Okay. <laughs> um, this year's will be six. Okay. So Man. It was, it was probably uh, strongman on Bill four. Okay. Okay. Very cool. All right. So for people who do not know, what is strongman? So essentially, strongman and whatever facet that you want to look at it is, uh, you have two different types. You have like the circus strongman, which you can kind of get down the rabbit hole of seeing that on YouTube. People tearing phone books, bending nails, all kind of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's more for show. And then you have the competitive side of strongman, which is what you're going to see um, more of the stuff that I do, like actual competitions, events, different types of um federations, world's strongest man, all the way up, you know, to that high of a level. Yeah. Uh, but it's five events usually, and this is all up to the different types of competitions you can actually choose from. But usually it's five events starting with some sort of overhead press, ending with some sort of load, and then there's a moving event, a deadlift, and some other crazy concoction of events in the middle. Gotcha. Yeah, so I think where we're like powerlifting – Olympic lifting is semi-easier to explain to people. Powerlifting right. is always the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Olympic lifting is always the snatch and the clean and jerk. Strongman's like, it's typically this stuff. Yeah. Um, so so it, on one hand, um, it's a little less consistent in the sense that you may have different pressing movements. Like you might have, you may have a, a, an axle, which is a fat bar, for pressing, you may do a log, you may do a circus dumbbell, right? But you're typically going to see these same movement type patterns in each each event. Right. But where where the there's not as much consistency in the events, uh, there's a little more entertainment because, well, it's different stuff. Cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it looks cool, uh, and it's it's different, right? Like each comp, no competition is ever going to be the same. It's always right. going to be a little bit. Uh, you know, slightly different movements, a little different order, um, different surface, different implements. So there's like a little bit of a, you know, um, entertainment value to the spectators, but also to the competitors as well. You kind of go in and like, just got to be strong. That's kind of right. the thing is like, yeah. is you can't game, you can game it, but like at some, at some level, you just have to be strong. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's uh the complexity and how many types of events there can be yeah. almost adds a sense of simplicity because you there's no way you're going to be able to master every single every single strongman movement. It's not going to be possible. There's right. over a hundred different types of stuff to do, and there's a thousand different ways to do it. So, when end of the day, you just need to be specific to your event yeah. for the most part and show up, be as strong, athletic, and conditioned as you possibly could be. That's awesome. Um, okay, so uh, if someone wanted to get introduced to strongman what do you let's kind of talk first um first like how they can kind of like find information on it like find competitions um let's kind of talk about that first if, if i wanted to do strongman i've never done before what do i what, what do i google where do i go right um i'd probably go to youtube same with you know anything in this world that you need fixed or yeah. want to learn more information about youtube such a great tool these days um there's Tons and tons and tons of, like, specific channels I could probably mention, but if you just YouTube search strongman training question mark, it'll bring up enough information to keep you entertained for a year. Right. Um, and then, like, more specifically to actually competing, uh, the USS website and the Strongman Corporation website will actually list events. Yeah. Um, and they're anywhere from California to Tennessee to New York and everywhere in between. Yeah, so there's two main corporations right. uh, in the United States. Uh, United States Strongman and Strongman Corp. Right. And they both put on different events throughout the United States and the world, I believe. Yeah. So, um, so then what's kind of required to do a Strongman competition? Because I say, okay, how do I not know if I'm strong enough? Right. Um, so I would definitely encourage, especially with the access to novice classes that we have now, where in the past there was – 
we we're doing what we're doing. This is the weights. If you can't do it, I'm sorry. Now yeah. it's kind of set a little bit more scaled to where we do have the novice open, uh, masters, weight divisions, uh, male and female. Uh, weight classes, stuff yeah. like that. So if you find a competition, you can find it on the USS or Strongman Corporation website. The uh, entry form itself will have the weights listed, so you can kind of get a pretty good idea of what um, you're going to have to do and compared to what you're doing right now. So if, say, it's I've never done a competition in my life, I see that this uh, axle clean and press for reps for as many reps as possible in 60 seconds is 200 pounds. Well, I know I can kind of push press a a uh, 225 pound barbell, I could probably be able to do that class. Right. right. Yeah. And the novice class is set up for, for people who are doing their first competition right. or new to the sport so that they can get in. And I mean, the reality is it is strong, man. So it's supposed to be heavy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's supposed <laughs> to be somewhat heavy. You're not supposed to be, not supposed to be lightweight. So you can just rep forever. Yeah. Uh, but it's set up so that more people, can do it and kind of get their feet wet. Yeah, get their feet wet, enjoy it, have fun. Yeah. Um, and it's typically done based off of age and weight. Yeah. Uh, like weight class, how much you weigh. So if you're um, 165 pounds, you're not going to be doing the same amount of weight as someone who's, you know, 265 or 365, whatever, exactly. right? <clears throat> um, and then also women can compete as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, now let's talk about like introduction to training for strongman. Um, so what was so let's say someone's never exercised ever in their life and they say oh, I want to start doing strongman. Okay, um, you're like hey yep, just start doing the implements. You'll be good to go. Like do you need to just create kind of like a like a base layer level of strength? Like um, talk about kind of introduction to the training aspect of strongman and kind of go from there. Right. Uh, so I would say if you're coming straight off the street, you know, you've never touched a barbell before in your life or it's been a bunch of years, kind of like it was for me, going from uh, not training in college, from training in high school, and then getting back into it after college. Uh, for sure, the barbell is going to be your best friend. You need to start with the four barbell movements. So deadlifts, squat, overhead press, and bench. We need to use those as like a foundation to build into having enough strength to actually use the implements properly. Um, Most of the implements, unfortunately, are going to have a bit of a strength barrier. Like there's not going to be a a 20-pound log. You're not going to be able to find one that's going to weigh that that little, excuse me. Uh, The smallest one we have for the men's division is 85. So if you can't overhead press at least 85, you're not going to be able to do the log. Right. Um, But with a barbell, it's a lot easier to more progressively load. You can start with, you know, 45 or even 35 pounds with a smaller bar. Very cool. And then, um, so let's say someone comes in, they get introduced like it's regular barbell training. They do that for, what, six months, a year? Um, Six months is probably... A good basis, I would say. Uh, but by all means, if you're interested in, in between those six months, go over there, play with the farmer's walks, you yeah. know, play with the axle, play with the yoke. Uh, but I definitely wouldn't, you know, come in right off the street and plan to do a competition within six months. Right, right, right. Uh, so you start doing some barbell work, you know, okay, like I'm building some strength and feeling good. Um, what what does, like, what does your typical strongman training uh, plan schedule look like? What's your week look like? So, um, and it's changed, you know, pretty regularly since I've become more advanced. Uh, but right now I do four days a week. I have a deadlift day, a squat day, some sort of pressing day, either it be, you know, incline bench, regular bench, overhead press or something like that. And then, um, Saturdays is like my event day. And that will always consist of something overhead press, um, a moving event, a loading event, and potentially a deadlift. Okay. And so you're typically doing three events on yeah saturday three to four typically um what what, so what days do you train on i do monday tuesday thursday saturday okay and And that's up to you know if everything working with the schedule and everything like that so uh and then what are the order those days what i'm trying to kind of figure out is like for you because obviously saturday is kind of like a full a full body day you're already you're coming back and pressing a second time deadlifting a second time so um those days during the week, are you typically doing like a heavier day in the week and then coming in on Saturday and pulling like multiple more reps or something? Or is like kind of the opposite? Are you doing like... 
So I, I would say I would adjust what I do during the week on what I plan on doing Saturday. Gotcha. So say if um, on Saturday I have to do a 95% of comp weight, most reps, and 60 seconds deadlift, yeah. that uh, Tuesday, which would typically be my deadlift day, I would probably do something um, – Maybe not necessarily lighter, but different than as many as I can in a few reps. I would probably do it elevated if gotcha. the event was from the ground. Yeah. Uh, or I would do like a side handle deadlift during the week if it's a barbell on Saturday. Gotcha. So then it's like Saturday. Like, so the week kind of becomes more like I have a prep builder day. And then right. like Saturday is like that. I'm going to put it all yeah. out. And during the week, I'm trying to build a little bit more volume. Um, so a lot more reps and sets comparatively to where on Saturday I may work up to just one big set yeah. and just go, you know, all out in that 60 seconds or um, depending on where I am out from the competition as well. Now we do that year round. Like are you three days in the gym, one um, and then one event day year round? Like does it change going into a competition, coming out of a competition? Uh, so you definitely, I think you could do that year <laughs> round if you wanted to. But if I wanted to work in like a hypertrophy phase, like uh, sometimes after competitions, I like to do where I'm more focused on uh, a lot more higher reps, kind of like a bodybuilding style workout. Yeah. I'll do more than, you know, four days a week. Because if you're just bodybuilding four days a week, you're probably not going to get enough volume to actually see some muscle growth. Um, so I would probably do more like five or six then. But do you, do you keep the straw man day in still? Like, like after the competition? Usually, but it's more for fun. Okay. It's, it's, and it's more like uh, conditioning work. So instead of going like max weight, I would gotcha. do like uh, a ton of cleans on the log or uh, lots of uh, back and forth with a sled or something like yeah, that. So keeping like, keeping the movements in, keeping it fun, but that's maybe not like the day that's, it's not your max day where you're right. kind of like kind of pushing yourself to the limit. Right. What about going into a competition? So that it's, that's when you're going to start seeing a lot more like specificity in mm -hmm. the actual movements themselves. Um, so one thing that I've found that I liked really, really doing throughout the week is I'll taking, taking out regular back squat and I'll put in uh, box squats okay. throughout like the 10 weeks leading to a competition just to limit my range of motion um, it kind of keeps me from getting injured on myself personally, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get tested in a barbell back squat in my competition. So not that, that it's not useful for getting you stronger because it is, but within six weeks of a competition, you're probably not getting stronger. You need to really, really fine tune the motor movements. What in most, is that pretty typical schedule for most strongmen or like what's some variations that you've seen? I've seen people do it like that. Um, I've seen people completely throw that out the window and not do it like that. And I think that's, Kind of one of the uh, cool things about strongman is that everybody's destination is pretty much the same, yeah. but there's a hundred different ways to get there. Yeah, uh, it's like a, a mountain with a thousand paths, but every all of them end at the same place. Okay, very cool. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of the necessity for uh, training with the crew because one thing that I have so when I um. When I left college and, and le then left um, college strength and conditioning, um, I went to a sports development facility. Then I started personal training out, out of like a, a local uh, commercial gym. <clears throat> and I started purchasing a bunch of strongman equipment um, and um, was doing like strongman Saturdays at the commercial gym. But one of the things I quickly learned was like, you can't do strongman Saturdays yeah. solo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could, but it's just, it'd be the worst experience ever because you spend the whole daggum session loading things up and carrying right. it back and forth. So talk a little bit about kind of the necessity for a, a crew. And hats off to people that do do it that way because I, I am aware of and friends with a bunch <laughs> of people that do it that way. Um, and even them, when they can, they will drive however far it is. They'll pay whatever money it is to come train with a crew, either if it's this one or another one. Right. Um, having not only the environment around you to be able to produce the best whatever you can do that day, Yeah, having somebody there that's better than you and, like, consistently better than you for yeah. different movements and different events and stuff like that is only going to push you to be better. Yeah, like, that's And I think that's one of the greatest things about MBS is, especially if you're coming right off the street or even if you've been training at a, a regular ATC or whatever it is, if you come in here – most times, unless you're coming here at five in the morning when there's nobody else here, you're not going to be the strongest in the room. Right. You're not, you know, you're not going to have the biggest overhead press. You're not going to have the deadlift. You're not going to have the biggest squat. Um, I know beating dead horse there with that one, but it's yeah. like uh, 
if you're the biggest fish in the pond, you need to find a bigger pond or you're not going to get any bigger. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to, uh, one aspect of the crew, like you said, is, um, is being pushed to, to find kind of your upper limits right. versus, um, always being able to kind of settle for your, for your like right. mediocrity or whatnot. And it's also nice to like work with people who, um, have more experience, maybe better than one other thing, uh, or just having an extra set of eyes to kind of like, man, like it looked like you were doing this right. instead of doing this. Someone that can kind of give you some, some eyeballs and give you some feedback and say, Hey man, like, try this and I think it'll work out better. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that was one of the biggest things that helped me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is just coming in and not really having, ever having access to the equipment or being able to do these movements. I mean, there's probably 10 people in this facility alone that deserve to be here talking about strongman more than I do. Uh, they've been doing it for longer than I've been alive. Uh, and they've <laughs> never, never once withheld information from me because the strongman community itself is if somebody else is getting stronger, they're going to get you stronger in return. Yeah. One thing I love about the strongman community and the events is like, especially when we do on build streets, like um, everyone's competing against each other, but like it's more, it more feels like a bunch of people right. who just got together to work out and have like a friendly competition amongst yeah. them uh, m- more times than not. It's uh it is an individual sport, but you do it in, in a community, which is, right. is pretty cool uh, yeah. to watch. No, for sure. I actually uh, brought a friend to my last um, strongman competition, and he has never been exposed to any strength sport, let alone strongman alone. And uh, he was very, very confused, and he came up to me, and he said, Noah, what, why is your competition cheering for you? <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I was like, it's not really me against them as much as me against the event while I'm going. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the event. So we have a Strongman event coming up. Um, talk a little bit about that. Okay, cool. So we have Strongman on Bill, and this is the sixth one. Um, it's going to be on May 8th, I do believe, yep. if I have to check that again. Um, so we're going to have a log, clean, one clean, press as many times overhead in 60 seconds as possible, and those are weight adjusted for the different divisions. Uh, then we have, this may not be the right order, but we have keg over bar. So as many reps loaded keg over bar um, in 60 seconds. We have a farmer, or excuse me, a yoke to farmer's medley. So yoke run, 50 feet, sprint back to the farmer's, 50 feet, time stops when you cross the line, fastest time wins. Uh, we have a husa felt for as far as you can go in 60 seconds. So that's 50 feet turns, you know, down and back as fast as you can do it, or, or excuse me, uh, as far as you can go in 60 seconds. Yeah. And then we have a car deadlift at the end. As Very many cool. reps on the car as possible in 60 seconds. Okay. So how is it possible for anyone to deadlift a car? <laughs> So, although it is very visually impressing and almost uh, infuriating to a point, because anytime I post a video of me deadlifting a car, I get way more attention than all the the other stuff that I work (laughs) way harder to get better at. Um, It's essentially in a... You you pull the car up onto the thing that holds the back tires, and all you're doing is elevating the back end of the portion with the help of leverages... um, yeah. To, the car is only moving about three inches, so it's really, really not – you're not picking up the entirety of the car, right, of right. course. Um, although it's not easy, right, right. there's definitely harder stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, how, how, how heavy do you think, you know, the, the, the heaviest car deadlift that, like, that we're doing for reps is? So it's a really hard thing to, like, actually put into, like, a pound perspective yeah. because if you have the car one inch forward on the rack, it's going to it maybe feel like an extra 100 pounds. But right. if it's – you know, rolled to the end of the rack and may, you know, feel like a 300-pound deadlift. Yeah. Uh, or if there's weight on the back, wherever the weight is distributed on the actual car itself is going to play a role. Mm-hmm. Um, if the shocks are springy and it's, it hits the ground and the car bounces up and you catch it in the middle of that bounce, it's going to go up a lot faster and a yeah. lot quicker than it is just from the starting of the ground. Um, I would say I've never done a car deadlift that was harder than pulling 650 pounds on the barbell. Yeah, okay. Um, what's one of the most ex- um, impressive strongman feats you've seen? Ones that I've seen in person? Just go, um, just go seen in person and then just like seen, period. Okay. I would say uh, seen in person two competitions ago, uh, the people that 
were in my division, super heavyweight division. I was 370 pounds at the time, and most of my competitors were about that uh, or even more. Um, and the guy who took second place was only about 245 pounds and about three inches shorter than I am, so right at right at the six inch mark or six foot mark, excuse me. And he smoked most of the people out there. He pulled three more on the car deadlift than I did. He did everything faster. He didn't fail a single event. Uh, and it was funny because it, when we were in line to weigh in, I was right behind him. And he goes, man, I think I'm the lightest one in our division. And I said, well, that's good for me. He smoked me. The entire <laughs> competition, I was doing my absolute best just to keep up with him. And I thought that was really impressive. So shout out to that guy. I don't remember his name, but. It just goes to show, like, you know, it's not always about weight. You know, like, you can – performance is based off of, you know, strength and and uh, and the technique and right. confidence and all those things can combine. Obviously, weight plays a role, but it's not it's not always that the biggest right. guy wins. It's that the strongest guy wins. Exactly. And that specific competition was very medley heavy or yeah. very uh, uh, lots of reps uh, for the event and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, me being very, very uh, unwise in my early portion of the career and still to this day, really, um, I was just trying to get as big, as strong, as fast as possible. You know, right. I wasn't worried about how, how conditioned I was. I wasn't worried about how fast I was running in between the events. Right. And that's what won him that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, what was the other one you said? You said you had two? Did you say you had two? That was the only one that I would that's, I would say like in person. Okay, that, that was, was probably okay. The, what about like just like famous strongman things that you've heard of or seen? Goodness, that's great. That's there's so so many. I think uh, that's one of the coolest parts about strongman is like most of the events themselves are like surrounded in mythology yeah. and like these grand stories of these people doing the craziest things you've ever heard of like uh the Hoosfell and i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing that but the Hoosfell stone itself uh is a usually a replica of the a stone in Hoosfell, iceland which i think it's like right at 130 something or excuse me 430 something pounds Jeez. and you have to take it pick it up and carry it the entirety of the diameter of a, a sheep's pin to put it back as the door to the sheep's pin and wow. you weren't, I guess, in, I guess, as legend goes, you weren't considered a man if you couldn't do it in the village or something, <laughs> something, to, that, something to that extent. There's always <laughs> great stories behind like all these like strongman right. um, uh, legends and, and lore. Um, and, I, and I think there is a, there's a really, really good documentary that um, Rogue put yeah. on about like the different lifting stones throughout history and like their uh, historical reference, re relevance, excuse me, and like where they are out throughout the day. Like, uh, Today, I think there's a lot in Scotland and Iceland and that neck of the woods. It was on Netflix? I think it's on YouTube, actually. YouTube, okay. Yeah, I, I saw that one. I, uh, so I went to the, uh, probably the 2009 or 10 uh, Arnold. Okay. Cool. And so, uh, funny story. So, we were, uh, at the time, they were doing the strongman events, like up on the stage in the expo. And we're like, man, like, let's try to get there early so we get some good seats. <clears throat> and so um, we got there, like, really early, uh, so much that they that we just kind of, like, walked through the line and actually got to sit, like, at the front row, like, with a oh, press. Nice. It, was, it, said, like, it was, like, press credentials or whatever, and we're just like, we're just sit here. <laughs> uh, and so, so we got to, like, watch it literally from the front row. But I remember in the back, I can't remember who it was, but someone was doing a warm-up with 315 on the bar, and it was, like, it was like three deadlifts, three bent rows, three hang cleans, and then like, I want to say he did three like push presses too. I was like, holy shit! Like with three fifteen, yeah, uh, as his like warm up preparation for whatever the thing was. And and at that level that those guys are at, that doesn't that sounds extremely doable for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it was like his warm up. Very and casual, pop, 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 yeah, just, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that was <laughs> pretty yeah. impressive. Um, and then we watched Derek Poundstone do i think 26 reps with the uh circus dumbbell press oh as the uh that wasn't a part of the competition but it was like a um like an expedition no i think it was i think it was i'm pretty sure it was part of the competition it was like a 220 circus dumbbell press for reps oh okay gotcha um gotcha. okay he did for like 26 reps and then like ripped his shirt right. off <laughs> and then at the uh, and then at the the night competition for the bodybuilding show they had the frame carry, like, uh, uphill oh, frame up carry. Ramp. Yeah, mm -hmm. up the ramp. 
which is like 1,100 pounds. Right. Uh, and then he proposed to his, like, uh, girl, or, fian- or proposed to his girlfriend at the time. Right. And, yeah, I'm just going to be like, good Lord. Um, <laughs> Phil Fister shook my buddy's hand. And like touched his fingers <laughs> on the other <laughs> side of his, his yeah, hand. He fully engulfed his hand. Like, oh my gosh. That's so, like uh, Mark Felix. Uh, anytime that they do one of the giant lives uh, shows, they have like a pamphlet that goes out and yeah. it has a life size representation of Mark Felix's hands <laughs> and it covers up the entirety of the page plus some. It's ridiculous. <laughs> some of the size of these guys is just unbelievable. Like six, eight, six, nine, four, forty, four fifty, and like athletic is just like. It's other level, right? Human, humanoid. You're like, how, how do you exist? Exactly. Um, and I think I think that does great to get strongmen out into the public. Yeah. But I think the unfortunate part is is that those are the only guys that get out into the public. <laughs> right. Right. So any normal Joe schmo walking around thinks you have to be the mountain from Game of Thrones to even compete. At any level, right. let alone even try it. You're like, yeah, well, I'm five. I mean, I'm five ten, 165. Uh, probably not gonna go against right. that dude. Um, but that, that's kind of the thing. Is like, yeah, but this at the at the local level, mm-hmm. like, there's a class for you. Exactly. <laughs> and there's ways that you can lift. You know. Right. It's, and well, even at the uh, world's strongest man yeah. level, they have different weight classes. Um, they don't get near the notoriety as they I think they should. Yeah. Because you know the the big heavyweight guys are the ones that are always on the. You know, the posters and the videos and the TV and stuff right. like that. But there are some in crazy, 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 incredibly strong people that are in lower weight classes. Yeah. Yeah, and I would even say that the the strength of body weight ratio of those guys is, is I'm not going to say more impressive, but pretty crazy right. impressive. It's one thing to be like, man, like, yeah, I would expect a guy who weighs almost 500 pounds to deadlift 1,100 pounds. Yeah. Because it's just a little bit over double his body weight. Right. But then when you're like... <laughs> Oh, but there are dudes who are like two hundred pounds. that are deadlifting seven and eight. You're like, right. That's like what? Yeah, that's yeah, it's, crazy. It's, I would I would say the margin for the differences between the super super big guys and the you know lighter weight guys, more leaner guys, are like slowly slowly coming together yeah. between like how much they can actually produce. I think if you look at you know even five years ago, ten years ago at the highest level of strongman, yeah. everybody was at least trying to achieve being that big. Yeah. But now these days, you're seeing most of the guys that are winning, you know, first, second, and third, they're only, I don't know, only, but they're only like 315, 330. Uh, even you have, you know, Rob Kearney, who competes yeah. right around like 280 yeah. um, and not super, super tall guy, but he's still keeping up there in most of the events with all the other big guys. Well, and I think there's probably like a degree of um, – longevity that's more easily achieved by being that weight recovery is probably better you're not putting like the stress placed upon your body trying to keep it at that weight is just uh it's just incredibly difficult right um and i and i for one can't talk about like uh, especially somebody at that high level i'm sure it's completely different than my experience but as heavy as i've been i've been um close to 370 uh like two years ago or so and i was already contemplating getting the cpap and you know i couldn't <laughs> sleep i was waking up choking on my own self like yeah. it's it's not an enjoyable existence um I would imagine it'd be a little bit more enjoyable if I was as strong as some of those guys. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, but I feel at like the three fifteen to three twenty rate, at least for me, is like perfect primo. It's like one thing I talk about, like the necessity of of, uh, of aerobic training for like strength sports, and I'm specifically talking about like um, powerlifting, is the idea that like you always recover aerobically. Mm-hmm. I mean, like whatever you spike your heart rate up to, you're always recovering into a lower heart rate in a lower heart rate zone. So your ability to recover, to regulate your heart rate, your, and, and just the, the, your general stress is going to be based somewhat on your aerobic capacity. Right. And so if we have two people training and if you and I are training and I have a poor aerobic capacity and you have a good aerobic capacity in that training session, uh, I will need more time to recover between uh, sets, which means in that in that time frame, I will not be able to do as much work as you're going to be able to do because I can't recover fast enough. And then after that fact, you're going to recover, you know, you're going to recover better. Or we try to go at the same pace and you're getting full recovery and I'm, and I'm not. Right. Not that like 
if you're trying to be a strength athlete, you should be, you know, doing significant amounts of uh, running like marathons or anything, but it just shows like the necessity for aerobic capacity in strength sports. And so going down that line, like if you're trying to always push your body to the maximum weight, you know, that's going to have somewhat of a negative impact on your aerobic capacity. It's going to take a lot more effort for you to run between events, you know, to move from here to here or to, uh, keep your heart rate in a in an appropriate zone like while doing right. reps or whatever. So it makes sense that like guys are trying to go back the other way. Who I can't think of his damn name. The guy who won the the most world strongest man's um oh goodness. I'm gonna mispronounce pronounce his name probably. Uh, are you talking about Pujanowski? Pujanowski. Right. Yeah he was on like two ninety, three hundred. Mm-hmm. So but solid. He, lo- he looked like an off-season bodybuilder year-round. Very solid. But, but crazy, <laughs> you know, he, a ginormous human, but... He fights MMA now. Right. And just kind of goes back to show, like, his athleticism. His right. overall athleticism, he was able to maintain a pretty low body fat. Right. He probably could have weighed 350. Oh, easily. But, oh, easily. But he was, I mean, he was lean the entire time he com- competed, so... And I think if you can go back and watch those old competitions where he was competing, you can see the um, two roads that diverged between him and his competitors and why he was so dominating them completely is because they were needing oxygen on the side of the vents after every single event. But he was, you know, he seemed like he was handling a lot better. Has Strongman kept their events more, have they kept them kind of generally the same? Or have they, like, as guys have been pushing their weights? Because, like, uh, have they started getting to, into more heavier weights or, like, have they, tr- you know, started going back the other way into more, like, repetition? Because, I mean, I know, like, we've all seen, like, the mammoth bar deadlift and all that kind of stuff. But, like, like how has that kind of changed at the pro level? So, at least from what I've been able to uh, observe, it seems like in, in, in some events where they could put a precedent for, like, grip strength, Today, they would, you know, they would make, like you said, the uh, the frame was like 1,100-something pounds. Yeah. Back then, they could use straps on it, and right. it was it was causing a lot more injuries to a lot more of the guys. Now, yeah. it's uh, limited to, I think, like 750 or 8, um, but they can't use straps. Gotcha. So, the, the grip strength is having to play a lot more part in that. So, in some aspects, it's maybe less weight, but it's way more impressive because they're holding that in their own hands. They're not, right. you know, strapped into it. Um, and I think that back in the day, especially in like the – early 90s, late 90s, there were some really crazy events like wrist-wrapped, most or longest-held wrist-wrapped uh, farmer's hold or something like that. Oh, or like gosh. a car deadlift where they were picking up the car deadlift, but they had straps and they just had to sit there and hold it for three minutes or something crazy like that, uh, which we're really not testing anybody's strength at that point. Right, <laughs> right, right. We're just testing people's ligaments. <laughs> right, just testing your body's point. ability to, to not, like, collapse. And so, and to a degree like that, it's kind of changed and it's kind of progressing. But I think even in the last five to ten years, the the competitors themselves have just been getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's been a um, more advancements in what's like what uh, actual implements are available to people. Yeah. So they're being able to more frequently train the stuff. Yeah. Um, but then again, I think two years ago they introduced the pain of wheel, or excuse me, the wheel of pain. Yeah. Um, which is like thirty thousand pound uh, Conan wheel from uh, the old school movies that yeah. nobody's gonna have access to do to that. So you're you're not gonna be able to train for that. So yeah. that's that kind of throws them for a loop. I would. It's kind of like, and I think that's kind of like the one of the the benefits of like road kind of becoming what they've become is now they are mass manufacturing strongman equipment. So right. you can, you can get the implements and train them. You know, um, the flip side of that is they're also mass or they're manufacturing like crazy shit that right. <laughs> no one's ever seen yeah. before. <laughs> then you're not gonna be able to get, get access to. Right. So cause I, back yeah. in the day it was just the, they had just the, uh, the Hummer tire deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And now they've got the, what's it called? It's called the mammoth bar. Yeah, that, well, the uh, elephant bar, I think, elephant, is the one that they use. Bar, um, yeah. they, there is a mammoth bar that, that's more of like a local scene thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're, they're essentially the same thing. They're super, super long, whippy bars, and yeah. you can really, really crank the, you know, the weight up on them just yeah. because it's not leaving the ground as soon. Yeah. Um, I think as far as it's progressing in strongman at the top end level, less and less events are going to be like that because the guys are getting so strong. It's impressive enough for them just to use the regular deadlift bar, right, and right. Then, you know, break records on that and stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. 
But shout out, shout out to Rogue for real for giving everybody access to the equipment at not a super, super crazy high expense either. And I, I know a lot of people in powerlifting and strongman or whatever you do and compete in talk a lot of smack about CrossFit. But if we didn't have CrossFit and all the money that it generated for Rogue, we wouldn't be having all this really cool equipment for strongman. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I think that the, the uh, I was going to say CrossFit's like the um, the uh, like entry-level drug or what's the uh, terminology, whatever, but it's like the... Gateway uh, drug. It's a gateway drug to all the other strength sports. Right. Um, you know, because it, it, it has implements of powerlifting, implements of Olympic lifting, implements of strongman in it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, oh, that looks fun. like that. Yeah. Uh, and it is... In it in, in and of itself is an encouraging, <clears throat> uh, encourages exploration with regards to fitness, whereas like Olympic lifting doesn't really like encourage exploration. It's just you commit to Olympic lifting. Right. <laughs> Same thing with like powerlifting. Strongman to a degree, I think is 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 more open to it because there's you're gonna have an element of some of these other things. Because of the nature of strongman being more diverse, mm-hmm. it has a little more uh, right. openness. But like one thing CrossFit does is it it encourages you to like go explore and try different things. So, and that's exposed a lot of people to to strongman. And um, hopefully, we'll see. As like I said, more people who are in these weight classes that that are uh, th- that are what. More, most normal people weigh versus 400 pounds, right? Uh, it'll encourage more people to come out and, like, try their first competition. Right. And I would say, like, based off our weights, even most of our CrossFitters, if they've been training for a little bit, like, give them a couple months to kind of prepare and do some of the implements, like, they could show up and do the novice class for sure so. all yeah, day long, sure. you know? It's like, what's the, what's the novice class log cleaning press? Uh, I think it's 225, maybe 200. I'd have to double check. Okay, for guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, 200-pound push press. Right. Over and the it's, log. it's uh, 90 for uh, women's division. Yeah, over the log. So, very cool. All right, Noah, appreciate you coming on the MBS Fitness Podcast. Hopefully, this will help some people uh, understand a little bit more about Strongman, get exposed to it, and hopefully go, kind of go explore it on their own. Definitely, for sure. All right, bud. MBS Fitness Radio, out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.